0: Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. My name is obviously not Jake Watkins. If you're expecting him, you can take a quick 12 hour flight to Israel. He's is in the Holy Land with about 100 people from our church. I don't know when he gets back. I don't know when he left. I don't know what's going on. He asked me to speak. I told him no, and then I changed my mind and said yes, and now I'm regretting that decision. It's not you, it's me. Uh, let's see. What did I already say my name? Yeah, I'm a high school pastor, did I say that? Yeah, so I help lead the high school ministry here. We meet in this same building, this same place, Wednesday nights, 6.30 to 8.30. We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about that later tonight, maybe. Uh, but we are starting a new series. I have the privilege, the honor um, to start this new series called Young Church. I can't read what it says in orange. Can anyone read that? Oh, that's what it says? Oh, okay. Well, we're going through the book of Acts. It's called Young Church, which is ironic because I feel like it actually could be called Old Church. Because the book of Acts happened 2,000 years ago. And so as we're looking in the year 2023, we're looking back at the start of the church. It could technically be called the Old Church, but it's called the Young Church. And the Young Church is interesting because there was no church 2,000 years ago. There was just a synagogue. There was, uh, synagogue is kind of like ancient church. It's where the Jewish people would go and hear someone teach, kind of like this, but probably different. I don't think they had instruments back then. Uh, They didn't have a ton of fun, I would imagine, probably just pretty boring stuff. And so the the church started 2,000 years ago, and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at tonight and through this series of like, man, what? What took place? What happened? How did it happen? And what's next? And if you haven't noticed, like, has anyone been going to church for, like, their whole life? Like, raise your hand, like, your whole life. Okay, awesome. If you're, like, new to church, you don't have to raise your hand, but I've been going to church basically my whole life. It's a long story. But if you have noticed throughout time, church services have changed drastically. We call them like a worship service. It's like a church service, right? You come in, you sing some songs, you hear a crazy guy on stage and like, why did I show up to hear this guy? And then you leave, you might ask some questions. Like that has not always been the case, but throughout the last 2000 years, that is kind of what has morphed into what we now call church. But when, when it first started, there was no church. And you could argue that these little walls in this building aren't even the church, but what is the church? us, the people. We are the church. You are the church. And so we're going to be looking at at, at the church, the young church. How did it start 2,000 years ago? And throughout this series, we're going to be looking at, man, how how did it spread? Why are we still here? Why is there a guy on stage talking to you? And why are you showing up? Why do you go to a thing or a place called church? Why are you a follower of Christ? Why do you identify yourself as a Christian? And so, uh, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight through this series, the spread of the gospel, the kingdom of God just moving. And there's this other, like, really awesome idea that I wish I got to teach on because uh, the, the passage that I got is, is interesting. Uh, hopefully next week, I don't know if Jake is back or whoever's teaching, they're going to they're gonna have a fun week. I kind of got the boring week, so I'm going to do my best, all right? And if I suck, just tell Jake... It was amazing, okay? Can we, can we practice that? I'm going to say, one, two, three, and you're just going to pretend like I'm Jake. I know he looks much better than I do, okay? He's taller, more handsome, more flow, okay? Just pretend I'm Jake for a quick minute and say, Jake, Zach was the best. All right, on the count of three, one, two, three. That's not gonna convince anyone, I'm never gonna be back. Oh my gosh, I don't even wanna try it again because there we go. Okay, that's a little better. I need some water. Zach needs water, water. don't tell Jake I needed water. But here's the thing with the church. And, And again, we're looking at the young church, you could call it the old church. What I'm seeing right now is the young church I'm seeing the young adults, I'm seeing the young people. Without you showing up, there'd be no future church. If you got every young adult in the world and just said, hey, we're going to stop going to church, like the church would die. It would just go (laughs) It would just blow up. Nothing good would happen. Nothing good would come of that. But the thing about that is that it is almost impossible. Nothing is impossible with God, you know. But in this case, it's almost impossible because the church has been moving for thousands of years. It has not stopped. And, and for me, as a youth pastor, that excites me. That is part of the reason why I get up every single day, and the reason I have a kid that I have to take care of, and so if I don't with my wife, then he's going to die and I'm going to feel really bad. But, like, we as the church, we have a really big responsibility. We have really big shoes to fill. We have a mission to complete. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you and I, we have been called by God himself to be the church, to keep advancing the church, to keep, like, advancing the mission of God. and. The thing about it is, you're not going to convince every young adult to stop going to church. That's not the case. Everyone in this room, you could be like, "Zach, you suck. I hate you. I'm because of you, I'm never going back to church again." You could say something like that. But you know what? The church down the street—they're probably still going to have young adults who meet. And the the church across town, and the church in a different city, in a different state, in a different country, they're going to still be meeting because that's what has been happening throughout church history. People have gotten together, they have worshiped God, they have thanked God, they've heard a message, they have taken that message and they have applied it to their lives in order to keep the church going. And so not only the momentum, like the momentum has been just going and going and going, but the mission and the call of Christ is so important and it's so wonderful to be a part of. As a youth pastor, as a young adult, as a worship team, as a a college young adult leader or sponsor, whatever you call yourselves. And I don't know if you've ever like gotten up out of bed and, and thought to yourself, man, my faith is unstoppable. I don't know if you show up here on a Tuesday night thinking, man, tonight is going to be a night where God is going to move, and and I'm going to learn something new, and I'm going to be able to apply it to my life the next day or even that night. But what I want you to think about is, man, this movement of Christianity, the movement of the church, the the old church, and now the young church in yourselves, it has to keep going. It, It has to keep going. It will stop going. It will keep going. unless. You decide not to be a part of it. And so my challenge for all of us tonight is how can we, how can we understand the purpose of God, the mission of God, the plan of God, and how can we wake up every single day understanding and owning the fact that, man, I get to be a part of something that is bigger than myself. I get to be, you are the next generation, but you get to help the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, whether it's from a family member, a future relationship, a future friendship, a current friendship, a future child. Like I, 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 I'm so excited to be a dad because I get to teach my kid about Jesus. I get to teach my kid about everything about life, but like, man, his little brain, he's, he's one. And so like his little brain, just like, you can see it ticking and, and And when you have a kid, you're like, dude, stay little forever, but at the same time you're like, grow up, okay, I want you to like be cool and hang out with me, and I can't wait for those days because I'm going to teach him so much about God, about church, about what does it mean to follow him. And so that's what I'm excited for. And so that, again, that might be a relationship with you, that might be uh, a friendship, current or in the future, I don't know. But man, we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think if we, I think if we woke, woke up every day and said, man, I get to be a part of something bigger than myself, I think, I think your lives would look different. I think you can probably think of ways of how, man, if I was not living strictly for me, if I was living for God, if I was living for my neighbor, treating my neighbor like I want to be treated, being polite, being kind, being courteous, being Christ-like. Do you think that that would have an effect on your life if you could emulate Christ-likeness? Do you think your life would be different? I think it would. And the thing about that is, and hopefully we'll get into it eventually, I don't know what I'm talking about, Uh, like people will see that. And they'll be like, dude, why is that guy so nice? Not, nah, they don't think that about me, but maybe about you. And so they might, they might see you and like, wow, they let me go ahead of them in the long line at the grocery store, well, what's, what's wrong with this person? And then that might start a conversation and it might start something and instead of waking up and wallowing in sadness and self-pity, you can, you can say, man, God, you have put something in my life, you have put something in my heart, you have put something on my mind. And I'm going to go, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be on mission for you, the church, Christianity, it's unstoppable. You cannot stop the move of God. So you get to choose, are you going to be a part of it or not? Faith has been going on and going for thousands and thousands of years, it has persevered and been preserved through all kinds of history and turmoil and chaos and sin, and yet here we are today. It's still moving. It's still going. So where did it come from? How did it start? Why is it here? What does it mean to be a Christian? How can our faith, the church, and God's mission to continue to be bigger and better? And the simple answer is you, the young people of the church. Whether Cross City is your home church, or you go to Colvis Hills, or Via, or The Well, or wherever you may go, like, you are still the church. You are the young church, and you are the future. And I hope you know that, I hope you believe that. But in order to understand that at a deeper level, theological level, and a scriptural level, uh, we're going to read in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. Through 11. All right, it's not on the screen because I'm an idiot, uh, but if you have a Bible or an app, you can follow along. I read fast. I'll try to read slow. Acts 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So I'm going to read a little bit and I'm going to talk about it. I was going to read the whole thing and then go back, but my little pea brain just figures this would help me, so hopefully it helps you, all right? Does anyone know who wrote the book of Acts, besides you? Anyone? What you got? Eh, It's a good guess. No. Luke. 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 You guys know Luke? Matthew? Mark? Luke. Okay? Luke wrote this book. He wrote this guy. He addresses this guy named Theophilus, which if I have another son, I might name him Theophilus because that is a sick name. Well, Theo for short. You feel me? Okay? No, I'm not going to do that. Okay? Sorry. I'm probably going to name my next kid, um, Adolph. Just kidding. I am part German, I'm not gonna name him that. Okay, that was a, that was a horrible joke and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna invite myself back to college group anymore. <laughs> I couldn't think of literally any other name. I came up with Hitler's name, really? <laughs> I told you, I'm not very smart. Okay, so he's writing to this guy, Theophilus. He references his first book. He's like, in my former book, Theophilus, which is Luke. Luke is writing this, he references Luke and he's like, Theophilus, I'm writing to you again. And he kind of picks up At the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, probably Luke, and so he kind of picks up the story at the beginning of Acts. But what has happened is that Jesus, you guys know him, right? He dies, okay, spoiler alert, he dies, and then he comes back to life. And then he's with the disciples for 40 days. So we'll kind of see what happens, but he, he keeps writing, after his suffering, Jesus' suffering He presented himself to them, the disciples And gave many convincing proofs that he was alive He appeared to them over a period of 40 days Just said that And spoke about the kingdom of God And so what Luke is, is referencing uh, A passage of scripture where The disciples are like in this room Jesus had died And he had come back to life And I'm pretty sure the disciples didn't know He had come back to life yet And then he just appears With them And he says, peace be with you. Can you imagine if some, imagine if Jake Watkins, he's not Jesus, but he's close. Imagine if Jake just appeared right here from Israel. He's like, bam, and he's right here. And he's like, peace be with you. Do you think you would have peace in that moment? I would be in my car. I would be driving away. I'd probably burn the place down on my way. I'd be like, this place is satanic. That is weird. Okay. And Jesus is just like, peace be with you. And he's like, why are you guys doubting that it's me? He's like, look at my hands, look at my feet. He's like, you guys have some food? I'm hungry. And so they have a meal. They eat some fish. It's it's a very interesting story. And so Luke writes on in verse 4 of Acts 1, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, don't don't leave Jerusalem. You guys need to stay here. Something is coming, something is coming for you. It's big, it's important, it's amazing, it's my spirit. It is going to be immersed in your being. And he's like, you know my cousin, John the Baptist, J-Bap, okay, John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but I'm about to baptize you with the Spirit of myself, the Spirit of God, and it's going to absolutely change your entire being. It's going to change your mindset. It's going to change the way that you act. It's going to change the way that you speak. It's going to change the way that you live, and he's like, hold up, wait a minute. Don't leave. You have to wait for the Spirit to come upon you. And he says, wait for the gift the Father promised. And if you remember what John writes in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, he says this, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So even in John, John is writing, hey, John is, John is quoting Jesus when Jesus is like, the spirit is going to come, like the spirit is, is is going to be with you. The Spirit is going to come upon you, okay? So the disciples are hearing this. They should have understood what was happening. They should have understood this, this whole thing, and they're like me. They don't really understand it. So they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Now you need to think about the disciples in this moment. You need to think about the Jewish people, okay? They have been waiting and waiting and waiting hundreds and hundreds of years throughout the entire Old Testament. If you have a Bible, anyone have a, let me see your Bible, Seth, okay? This whole section right here, that's the Old Testament. This little section right here is the New Testament. It's like eight-tenths of your Bible, okay? So for eight-tenths of the Bible, these people are waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for the Christ. So when he gets there, he can overthrow the oppression. He can overthrow the Roman people who are oppressing the Jews and basically have this big political campaign, this big political party. They thought Jesus was gonna be this mighty warrior. They thought he was just gonna like pff, lightning bolt people and chop people in half. And like, it gonna be this whole bloody war mess thing. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. But that's what people were expecting the whole time. And so the disciples are like, are you going to restore the kingdom? We've been waiting. We've been with you for three years. We've been doing ministry with you. Is, it, is this the time, is this time? And Jesus is like, no, no one, no one knows that time. That's not why I came. But he says this, and this is kind of the whole focus of the passage. This is the whole focus of the message tonight. This is the whole focus of the book of Acts. And quite frankly, it's kind of the whole message and purpose of the entire church. He says this, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, so they are kind of like, whoa, that's crazy, I'm blind. Okay. And then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky <laughs> like idiots? What are you doing? Standing up, looking at nothing. The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so later on, the, uh, Acts 1, 12 through 26 is this whole like decision on how to replace Judas. You remember Judas? Judas was one of the 12. He's the one who betrays Jesus, and then he dies. Okay. The rest of the chapter, like, we need to find a replacement, so if you want to read that, Acts 1, 12 to 26, you can read that later. But again, the whole focus of this message and of this passage and of of Acts is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is why we are here. That is why I'm on the stage. That is how we are here. And that is what we are here for. It is our job to continue that mission. The same mission that the young church 2,000 years ago got from Jesus. Jesus gave his followers the, the blueprint for the power, the purpose, and the plan of the mission he had entrusted to them, the same mission that he entrusts to us, and he says it in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You guys probably know this as the Great Commission. He is commissioning his disciples to keep the church going. This is what he says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what Jesus says. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And because of that authority, you need to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age." That is the Great Commission. We've heard that before? Maybe? Well I just read it, so all of you have heard it now, okay? That is literally the crux of our job. And you might think, man, I I don't like to talk to weirdos. I don't like to talk to people I don't know. It might sound intimidating. It might sound crazy. But the coolest part of this entire passage is the Holy Spirit will live inside of you. He will be a part of you. He will empower you. He will give you strength to do what might seem impossible. And hopefully next week, which I think it, it, it will happen because I saw the verses... Whoever's teaching is going to teach on Acts 2. And Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, he gets up and he preaches this amazing sermon. I'm giving you a little inside scoop. He preaches this amazing sermon, and the Holy Spirit comes. And then some crazy stuff happens. I don't want to get too far ahead of, of the sermon series. But the Holy Spirit is real, He is alive, He is active, He is your helper, He is your advocate, He is your strength. He is the only way you can do anything for God. If you think you can evangelize, if you think you can get on stage and teach, if you think you can tell people about Christ, sure, you might be able to get by here and there, but unless you are actively relying on the Holy Spirit and pursuing a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit, man, it's not, it's not going to do anything for you. The Holy Spirit is the whole reason why we are doing what we're doing. It's the whole reason why I'm up on this stage. Never thought I'd be here. Never thought I'd be a pastor. I, I would have laughed in your face. But the Holy Spirit said, hey, shut up. Stop, stop what you're doing. I have a different plan for you. The, the mission and the purpose still stays the same. Teach people about Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do whatever you can to keep advancing the church, to keep advancing the mission of God. You do not have to be a pastor to do that. In fact, we shouldn't be. I don't even know if this is, I don't even know if this is the right thing for me to be doing. Like sometimes I feel like I would be much more effective in a classroom or basketball court coaching than I would be on the stage teaching 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. So if you think, man, I have to be a pastor to be effective for the Kingdom of God, that is wrong. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think you can be exponentially more effective doing whatever the case may be. Whether you're a firefighter, a teacher, a police officer. You work at Starbucks. I don't care. I don't, I don't even know what you guys do. I was a sign holder when I was like 15, you know, I was out flipping signs. That's what I did. Don't recommend it, especially in Fresno. Here's what I want you to know tonight. I did get threatened by a homeless guy. He, he said if I ever touched my udders again, he would kill me because it was a Halloween store and I was dressed up as a cow. I wish I was kidding. He said, if you ever touch your udders again, I will kill you, and I said, I need to go talk to my boss. Okay? Here's what I want you to know tonight. You're, you're only going to remember, dude, Zach had a weird story about udders never coming back. Here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit empowers God's people. The Holy Spirit empowers God's people to be witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ, which began in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? You keep talking to me about like, dude, this is this is this is your battery, this is how you go, this is you need the spirit in order to to like live and do ministry and, and help evangelize and do all this stuff. Well, we believe what happens is that when someone believes in Christ, admits they're a sinner in need of saving and says, man, I have, I have done so much wrong in my life. I have done so many bad things. I have sinned. I have fallen short. And because of that, I need, I need a savior. I need a replacement. I need someone to take my sin away. Once you acknowledge that fact and you admit that and you confess that and you say, dang it, I suck. But Jesus, you don't. A couple places he writes these words in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And then he says three chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6.19, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? He's like, didn't you know you are a temple for God's Spirit to live and dwell inside of. The Holy Spirit makes us alive with Christ, as it says in Ephesians 2, 5. The Holy Spirit regenerates us so that we can see and understand things of God, which it says in 1 Corinthians two twelve. 12. This is my personal favorite. The Holy Spirit is our personal caseworker for adoption into God's family. And so when you start looking at the original language, which the New Testament would be Greek, and you start like looking at these words and the meaning, and like it is, theologically speaking, it is almost unfathomable. I read it and I study it and I'm like, I have to do it 10 more times because I, I don't get it. But what happens is, man, the Holy Spirit is a caseworker. You know what a caseworker is? Like a social worker? If you're if you're up for adoption, if you're trying to adopt someone, which we might have some people who are adopted in this room, you might know a lot more about it than I do. But there's a process. There's things that you have to go through. Your family, your adoptive family, has to do this and prove that and do these things. Right? The Holy Spirit is our caseworker for adoption into sonship and daughtership of being being in God's family. And this is what it says in Romans 8, 15, 16. The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I read that, and that, that makes me emotional a little bit. I mean, I get kind of worked up. I'm like, man, I don't know if you guys have ever felt unloved or unwanted, or maybe you have parents who made you feel that way, and maybe some of your parents are divorced, or maybe some of your parents have abandoned you. I know when we talk about this with young students, it is emotional for them because they feel like their mom or their dad left them or gave up on them and didn't want them, and while that's not okay. Physically speaking and in, in like like it, like if your parents abandoned you that would not be okay, right? That would be tragic. That, that'd be horrible But the good news is man. You have been adopted by Christ and the Holy Spirit himself testifies on your behalf so theologically speaking that is There's a lot to say but It's amazing The the other word that is used is we are grafted into the family. Like when you graft a tree branch, I'm not a, I'm not a biologist or a doctor or a farmer, but you know, like you can cut a tree and then you can basically tape it to a different tree. That's a real thing. That blows my mind. Okay. We are a tree branch who have been cut off and we have been basically taped on to the tree of Christ. We've been grafted in, we've been adopted into the family, and it all starts with the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us, and it brings us power, and it brings us wisdom, and it brings us joy. And so with this power that brings wisdom and joy, we have been called to be a witness for Christ. A witness. You know what a witness is in this context? What is it, Presley? Yeah, you regret shaking your head, don't you? That's right. What's a witness? Yell cuz I can't hear you. Sure, what else? What's a witness? They saw something. They saw something. Spread the good news. Someone in the what'd you say in the back there? Oh, I like that one. And this, Emilio, get some snaps for Emilio, oh my, I didn't know you were even paying attention. I thought you were sleeping. Okay. What'd you say? Living proof? That's good. So if you are called to be living proof of Christ, what does that mean that your life looks like? You can answer. changed how so yeah but what does that mean what's changed like what give me specifics personality what do you mean how does your personality change once you are a a witness of Christ like Christ what's that mean Seth Yes, I know, like Christ, Christ like, what does it mean, what you got, Clovis Hills, tell me something good, they teach real stuff at Clovis Hills, not across city, tell me something good, tell me something good, what is happening, what happens to you, what happens, what changes, Zachary, <laughs> okay, 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 all right, what you got, oh, wow. your heart is realized G- to, to the Holy Spirit, is realized or Realigned. Know, so. you. Your heart. Your heart's changed, right? Um, you love people like he does, right? You you become you become more like him, like his character. And stuff like that. Right? Is that is that is that okay? Is that okay? Is that- That's okay. That's okay. Clovis What else? I can't hear you up there. What? You are to walk alongside Jesus. Hey, Walk alongside Jesus. Living proof. What else would be an example of living proof? We love people. No, I mean like literally speaking. If you have living proof of something. A testimony. Your habits change. Man, we might need to think about this a little more, don't we? Baptism, sure, yeah, baptism. That'd be living proof. Baptism would be... um, That'd be an example of living proof of when you are baptized. That's a... What's the best way to explain that? It's like a, a, an inward decision that you have made, and baptism is an outward expression, right, of that. So that would be living proof. Okay, your habits change. You realign yourself with Christ. You become more like Him. You guys all said the right answers. I'm just messing with you a little bit. I kind of wanted you to think a little bit, because honestly, I don't even know what to say anymore. I wanted you to say some things. Yeah, when in doubt, just spill soda and throw chairs, that's, you know, one time on a Sunday morning, Dylan's not here tonight, but sometimes he's here, he was giving me mad lips, so I literally jumped off the stage onto a table and tackled a young adult. It was awesome. He weighs like 260 pounds, he broke a chair, it was a whole thing. But when you are a witness, let's see if you know these two other big words, okay? You are a representative. Say that five times fast. That's pretty good, all right. Another synonym for representative is ambassador. Do you know what ambassador is? What's well, an ambassador without making me leave the stage? Say! You're getting slapped tomorrow. I'm gonna slap you, okay? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come in the office and be like, okay? Yes. Presley, you can do it. I know you've been, I know you've been like hangering to slap. Okay, you are a representative, an ambassador. What that means is that you in your life, when when it's on display, people see the living proof. Full circle now. They see Christ. If I knew you, If I actually knew you, not if I just showed up once every six months and made a fool of myself, but if I actually knew you, if I, if I was sitting across from you at at coffee or I don't know, whatever else you drink, smoothie, beer, I don't know, whatever you were drinking and I actually knew you, I should be able to see the living proof of Christ in your life. And it will look differently for everyone. My living proof is going to look differently than Seth's. Seth's is going to look different from Joe's. Joe's is going to look different from Emilio's. Emilio's is going to look different from Clovis Hill's, okay? Oh, that's right. Thanks. Nah, dude. I know his name, but Clovis Hill's is... That's a better name. Caleb Gundiana. I know who you are. But if I really knew you... Because I don't really know him, but if I really knew him, and I sat across like I did earlier, stood across and stared into his luscious Jesus-like locks, and looked into his beautiful eyes, I should be able to see living proof of Christ and his life. And maybe some time goes on, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's two months, maybe it's two years, and if I were to sit again. I should be able to see more living proof. And so when you accept Christ, and when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you allow Him to guide you, and lead you, and direct you, it's not going to happen overnight. You don't just become super Christian, and everything goes happy-dory or whatever. Hunky-dory, that's what it is, yeah. Okay. But as you pursue Christ, as you become more like Him, as you, as you read more Scripture, as you pray with one another, as you confess your sins, as you keep showing up to uh, Anchor or Cross City or whatever church you go to, you, you, you begin to learn and understand, hey man, this is what it looks like to be a representative. This is what it looks like to be an ambassador. You know those people, maybe you have some in your life, and you see them and you're like dude that that person is so different not in a bad way in a good way in a godly way typically they're older do you know what i'm talking about you have some people like that in this ministry they love you they lead you i would spend as much time as you can with those people ken and deb they, they, they have, they've done it, they've seen it. They have living proof in their life, and the more you hang out and learn from people who know what it's all about, the more you will become about God's mission. And the mission is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what is the plan? What is your purpose? It's to impact the world. What does that look like specifically for you? I don't know. Whatever occupation you find yourself in currently or in two years or five years or whatever the case may be, you're going to impact the world with the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and directing you and empowering you. And when that happens, people are going to see you and they're going to see different. Not weird, but different. Because Christ and Christianity and our culture and our world, it looks different. And and 2,000 years ago, people thought these people were insane. They thought they were absolutely crazy. Like, dude, Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is just some whack job. We need to kill him. We need to crucify him. And so they did. And he resurrects and he comes back to the disciples in this moment and he's like, hold up, wait for the Holy Spirit. Once you get the Spirit, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Jesus says in Mark 10, through 45, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. So you want to see that living proof of Christ in your life, if you want to see the living proof of the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life, it's through service, it's through love, it's through treating people the way that you want to be treated. And that's so elementary, that's what we teach our our five-year-olds here at Cross City. Treat others the way you want to be, but it's, it's that is the living proof. That's the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. And so tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't know, I don't know what decision you, you might need to make, if you need to make one. Maybe some of you, you have never made the decision to follow Christ. You have never made the decision of like, man, I'm a sinner in need of saving. You're like, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is. Is, is it some magical power? Is it some, you know, you got a wand in your back pocket and you're going to zap me with it? I don't know. Okay, but if you need to make that decision, if you need to talk to a leader, talk to me, talk to someone, if you need to make the decision tonight, I would encourage you to do so. Once you make that decision wholeheartedly, you are now an ambassador. You are now a representative. That life change can begin to take place. And maybe for some of you, you have made that decision. Maybe if you're like me, you've made that decision. And yet, there's some things in your life, and and maybe there's some things in my life that we need to repent from. We're not, we're not allowing the Spirit to guide us every step of the way. We're like, oh, maybe like six out of ten steps, like, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Maybe seven out of ten, maybe eight out of ten, but maybe there are a few things in your life that you need to decide tonight, man, I've been falling short, I've been messing up, I need to get rid of this stuff. You can allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in your life in that way. And when you repent, it means you turn away from. Maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe some of you, last but not least, and I'm about to get off the stage and never come back, but maybe for some of you, you need to start serving. Christ came to serve not to be served. He was literally the Messiah, he was the king, he was the savior. He had every right to say, bow down to me, feed me a grape, and fan me, peasant. But instead, you know what he does? He, he touches people he's not supposed to touch. He hangs out with the people that you're not supposed to hang out with. And one of my favorite, absolute favorite images of Scripture is when Jesus is with his disciples and he washes their feet. That's the job of the slave. That's the job of the peasant. And Christ himself washes the feet of his disciples. And I say all that to say this, maybe we need to start washing some feet. Maybe we need to start serving, whether it's wherever your church home is. Okay, whatever ministry you might feel called to or led to, whether it's high school ministry and come work with this psycho, or maybe it's junior high ministry, you think, I'm bad, you should meet that guy. Maybe it's college ministry, okay, I know I interrupted your prayer meeting, there's like 20 of you praying, okay, you're serving in this ministry. What are some next steps you can take to serve the next generation, because if you don't the future of the church depends on it. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.